Bienvenidos a la iglesia, mis hermanos y hermanas. Abran sus Biblias. Abran las corazones. Sí. No, we're going to do it in English tonight. Uh, 1 Corinthians 14. We're picking back up tonight the truth about tongues. It's good to see you. Paul is dealing here with matters in the church at Corinth. They were a bit out of order, out of alignment. And uh, as all of us progress in life uh, towards older and more mature ages, uh, we can experience more vividly that when the body gets out of order and the body gets out of alignment, uh, it's not a good thing. Amen? And uh, often when the body's out of alignment, it's painful for everyone. I know that when my back hurts or I got a pinched nerve or I got whatever, I know it's not just painful for me, it's painful for my lovely wife, right? And so when the body is out of alignment, it's painful for everyone. Well, the church of Corinth here was a little bit out of alignment when it comes to the matter of spiritual gifts. And so that's what Paul is dealing with in this section, really, uh, chapters 12, 13, and 14. And so we established last week as we got into chapter 14 and began to talk about tongues, we began to establish some, some biblical truths about the gift of tongues. So the gift of tongues as displayed in the scripture is the supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit that allowed a person to speak in other human or earthly languages that they didn't previously know. And tongues, even as we see taught, in, uh, uh, taught tonight, tongues were a sign gift, specifically a, a sign to those that did not believe. Now, what do you mean by a sign gift? It was something used to signify that the message was legitimate. I think a good example of that was uh, the miracle that Brother Charles preached about this morning as Jesus healed the man that was lowered down of his four friends. So what was the message of Jesus? He said, thy sins be forgiven thee. Well, then the old scribes and Pharisees. So what did Jesus say? In order that you might know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, get up and walk. And he did. And so that miracle of healing was a sign signifying that the message of Jesus was legitimate. And so these sign gifts we see in the New Testament, uh, they, for, they performed that way for the apostles. Uh, they were gifts, uh, miracles, and other things, tongues, that signified the message of the apostles. But we established last week that the sign gifts of tongues and the other sign gifts had ceased. We saw from 1 Corinthians 13 that that which is perfect has come. Amen? And their purpose, as we will see tonight, is standing as a warning or a witness of judgment to unbelieving Israel has been fulfilled. Now, this does not mean that God cannot do as he pleases. And this does not mean that God can't intervene miraculously in human affairs wherever God deems he wants to. But what this does mean is that these sign gifts are no longer the normal expectation or the normal operation for the church or the Christian. Tonight we're going to continue through this passage 
Uh, going through Paul's teaching regarding tongues and order in the church. I think it's important for us to remember that Paul writes in a context where tongues were a present legitimate gift um, that could be exercised uh, by a believer. But what Paul is going to do here is he's going to correct something that is really out of order. That the emphasis and the value, the purpose that the church of Corinth was describing two tongues did not match with the emphasis that God has given his church in the scripture. And so Paul is going to correct the fact that their emphasis on this certain gift was really even prohibiting them from fulfilling God's emphatic purposes given to the church in the scripture. So let's go through this tonight looking at Paul's teaching on spiritual gifts here. Verse 12. He said, even so ye, for as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the, what is it, church? To the edifying of the church. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is it then? He said, I will pray with the spirit. And I will pray with the understanding also. I will sing with the Spirit. And I will sing with the understanding also. Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks, seeing he understandeth not what thou sayest? For thou verily givest thanks well, but the other is not edified. He said, I thank my God I speak with tongues more than ye all. Yet in the church, I had rather speak five words with my understanding that by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words in an unknown tongue. So what is Paul pointing out here? Paul draws out first the emphasis that God places on edifying the body. The emphasis that God places on edifying the body of Christ or the church. You know, the Bible is very clear that one of our main goals in coming together is to build one another up. That's the point. That as we come together, we ought to come together in such a way that we are better for it. Amen? That I'm building you up and you're building me up. And Paul starts out this section in verse 12. As we zealously seek spiritual gifts. I'm going to tell you, it's not wrong to really, really, really want to do something for God. But Paul says, as you zealously seek gifts... You ought to do it in such a way that you excel, that you superabound, that you overflow in edifying or building up one another. You know, building up one another and edifying really will be the outcome of loving one another like we ought. In Galatians 5, in verse number 13, we see Paul say this, For ye, brethren... Ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love serve one another. The outcome of loving one another is that we're going to build up one another. The outcome of preferring one another, Romans 12 in verse number 10. Look what he says here. Be kindly affectioned to one another with brotherly love in honor preferring one another. What's going to happen when we prefer one another? We're going to build 
one another up. By the way, Romans 12, the context of this section is spiritual gifts and using spiritual gifts. Bearing one another's burdens, Galatians 6 and verse number 2 reminds us to bear one another's burdens as we are zealously seeking spiritual gifts, gifts of mercy, gifts of giving, gifts of administration, gifts of help, all of these gifts. What is the point? The point is that when we come together, we ought to use these gifts to build up one another. This is why, as we looked at the first 11 verses last week, Paul exalts the gift of prophecy in comparison to the gift of tongues. Because the gift of prophecy is one of those gifts that will build up one another as the Word of God is proclaimed. You see, the problem with tongues is they don't really build up the body. Because the body has no understanding of the truth that's being communicated. Did you notice in verse number 13, he said, Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. Look what he says in verse 14. He said, For if I pray in an unknown tongue, he said, My spirit prayeth, but my understanding is unfruitful. Indication here that even the person speaking in the tongue doesn't get anything out of it because they don't understand what's being said. In verse 16, Else when thou shalt bless in the spirit, So I'm going to say a blessing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to give thanks. How shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at thy giving of thanks? So we have somebody who's unlearned. They don't know these languages. How is he going to be able to say amen, brother? Because he understandeth not what thou sayest. Verse number 17. For verily, for thou verily givest thanks well. I mean, we could, we could have the service in Russian. We could have the service in Portuguese. We could have the service in Spanish. I'm going to tell you, we might have the most wonderful service with the most wonderful preaching. But the problem is, if you don't know that language, what happens? For verily thou givest thanks well, but the other is not, what is it, church? Edified. You know, it's not exactly the same thing, but it's the same concept. I went to college, and one of my prayer groups in college, there was a young man who uh, Spanish was his first language. So when we would get together in prayer group, um, he would always ask if he could pray in Spanish. And so we, you know, kind people, we were like, sure, that'd be great. And he would always start out, you know, Padre Celestial. And I knew that. That meant Heavenly Father. But anything after that, I didn't have a clue, man. I didn't have a clue. I didn't even know he was praying for me. I didn't know if he was doing one of those David things where he was praying an imprecatory prayer against me. God rained down boulders upon his head. May he and and all who know him die horrible deaths. I had no idea. At the end, we said, amen, amen. Yes. But it was unfruitful for us. It didn't... Bless us. It didn't build us up. Paul says it is unfruitful in verse number 14. It is uncommendable. There is no way that that I can honestly throw my, my, my full support behind what somebody says that I don't understand. It's like when you walk into a room and somebody says, right, you, you're with me, right? And you're like, uh, depends on who it is. I mean, if it's Darl Davenport asking the question, of course, I'm with you, Darl. 
Bill Brown, why are you staring at me for, Bill Brown? <laughs> what are you staring at me? If it's Bill Brown asking the question, no way, right? <laughs> how can I throw my support? How can I amen something that I don't understand? And Paul says, you know what? You, you may be giving things well, but the problem is others are not edified. In order for there to be benefit, in order for there to be building up, there must be understanding. It is the understanding of God's word. It is the understanding of encouragement. It is the understanding of these things that allows me to be built up. I need to understand. Others need to understand. I think of it this way. God has, God has made the eternal comprehensible in his word. You think about what God has done. What has God done? He has breathed out his word. He has revealed himself to us in a way that what? In a way that we can understand. Fact is, God could have chose to reveal himself to us in any number of ways. What if God had chosen to reveal himself to us in calculus calculations? Could God have chosen to do that? Absolutely, but God chose to reveal himself in such a way that even a child can come in faith and receive the Lord Jesus Christ. That even a child can come in faith and grasp high and lofty truths of God's word. God revealed himself in a way that is understandable. And there ought to be an emphasis in the church if we're going to build up the body like we ought. Then the emphasis of the church has got to be to communicate and use our spiritual gifts in such a way that it is understandable. That's why Paul said, I would rather, I would rather, I would rather speak five words in my understanding. Why? That my, by my voice I might teach others also than 10,000 words. In an unknown tongue. You know, I imagine being able to speak in unknown languages was an impressive thing. But we're not here to impress others. We're here to make an impact on others. I'm sure being able to speak in an unknown tongue was an exciting thing. But I don't need to be excited. I need to be edified. And the problem is, and this is what Paul is teaching us in this section, the gift of tongues fails to edify the body like many other gifts do. So part of the problem was they were putting such a large emphasis on a gift that did not Meet, perform, fulfill the emphasis that God had given his church. To build up one another requires understanding. But to speak in an unknown tongue, by definition, kind of precludes understanding. So we see first the emphasis on edifying the body. But that's not the only emphasis of the church that Paul points out. Look with me in verse 20. Paul said, brethren... Be not children in understanding. So let me make this simple for you. Paul says, guys, it's time to grow up about some things. It's time to grow up. 
Be not children. Don't be immature in your understanding. Howbeit in malice, in evil things, be children. Be innocent. But in understanding, be men. In the law it is written with men of other tongues and of other lips will I speak unto this people. And yet for all that will they not hear me, saith the Lord. Wherefore tongues are for a sign, not to them that believe, but to them that believe not. But prophesying serveth not for them that believe not, but for them which believe. If therefore the whole church be come together in one place, and all speak with tongues, and there come in those that are unlearned or unbelievers, will they not say that ye are mad? If all prophesy, and there come in one that believeth not, or one unlearned, he is convinced of all, and he is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest and so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So we see tongues, what does it do? First of all, it fails to fulfill God's emphasis on edifying the body. But I want to point out secondly that Paul also says here that tongues fail to fulfill God's emphasis on evangelizing the lost. Evangelism is undeniably an emphasis that God has given the local church. Matthew 28, 19. Jesus said, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. What do we call this church? We call it the Great Commission. This is given to the church. This is given to Christians that we ought to take the good news of Jesus. And Mark puts it this way, to take it to every creature. Acts chapter 1 and verse number 8, we see uh, Jesus said this, But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. This is not the great request. This is the great commission. We are commanded. We are called. Our identity is to be his witnesses. 2 Corinthians 5.20 calls us his ambassadors. We are ambassadors for Christ. Church, remember tonight evangelism was his purpose. Luke 19 and verse 10 reminds us that the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. And if evangelism was his purpose, let me ask you, who is the body of Christ? The church. Don't you think the body of Christ ought to be about the business of Christ? And so undeniably in Scripture, there is an emphasis given to the church to evangelize, to spread, to preach, to promulgate the good news that Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again, and that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so Paul says, look, guys, it's time to grow up. Again, we're told here to be adults in our understanding. Tongues may seem flashy. Tongues may seem exciting. There might be that emotional element to it. But flashy, exciting, and emotional is not what the world needs. The world needs the clear, compelling 
Word of God. Now, we covered this last week, and I would invite you, you can go back and listen to that again. But scripturally, tongues are a sign of judgment to those who do not believe. Last week, uh, we, uh, Paul here, he references the law in verse 21. And we found some of those passages in Deuteronomy 28 and Isaiah 28 about how part of God's judgment would be that he would come and speak to Israel with men of other tongues. And by the way... As we look at the occurrences of tongues in the book of Acts, really these bear this out. That these were very striking and startling signs to the nation of Israel and the Jewish people that God was working in ways and judgment was coming. And we know historically judgment did come, AD 70. But what do we find? We find that tongues... They were a sign specifically to unbelieving Israel. Tongues were never meant to be an emphasis for the church because they were a sign for Israel. But they were also never meant to be an emphasis for the church because they fail to fulfill the emphasis that was given us by Christ. Tongues fail to fulfill the emphasis that God has given us on evangelism. Now you'll say, well, preacher, I know. In Acts chapter 2, God in His grace allowed the gift of tongues, the sign of tongues, to accompany 3,000 people getting saved that day at Pentecost. That's God in His grace, amen? amen. But what was Paul's point here? He said, look, if all you guys are speaking in the Spirit... Verse number 23, he said, and an unbeliever come in. What did he say? Did he say, if the, when the unbeliever comes in, he said, boy, he's really going to be convinced because this is something God's going to use to convict his heart about the gospel. Is that what Paul said? Paul said, no. If an unbeliever comes into your assembly and you're all talking in tongues and doing stuff, will they not say that ye are mad? And that doesn't mean angry. That means crazy. I mean, crazy. And I've watched a few services on YouTube at some places. I mean, even I think we're a little bit crazy. But imagine you're an unbeliever. And you walk into one of these assemblies. And everybody's babbling in languages that you have never heard and that you don't understand. Tongues had a point. And their point was a warning of judgment. But this gift to everyone else to whom it wasn't intended would make you look just plain nuts. Paul points out that unbelievers will not be convicted by tongues. They will be confused by tongues. They will be put off by tongues. They will think you are crazy. But Paul gives a contrast in verses 24 and 25. Did you catch it? But if all prophesy, that means proclaim God's word. We're, all, we're teaching and preaching God's word. And there come in one that believeth not or one unlearned. What He is convinced of all. He is judged of all. And thus are the secrets of his heart made manifest. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is in you of a truth. So what? <laughs> if, if instead of everybody babbling in tongues, when an unbeliever comes into our assemblies and we open the word of God, you know what happens? 
That unbeliever finds that God's word is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing and dividing asunder even of soul and spirit. That the word of God that they hear, that they understand, will convict their heart. And you know what will happen? People will get saved. The word of God is powerful, amen? It is probing. Amen. I'm going to tell you, there have been a lot of times when the Word of God has probed places I wish it wouldn't. The Word of God is powerful. It is probing. It is transforming. And there is no more transforming message than the gospel. But as Paul said in Romans 10, 14, he said, how shall they hear without a preacher. Somebody to stand and clearly proclaim the Word of God. And Paul says, guys, you're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. You're missing it. He said, tongues are great for what tongues are for. But, but you cannot have this emphasis on tongues, Corinth, because tongues fail to fulfill the emphasis that God has given. Failed to fulfill the emphasis to build up the body, to edify, we found in verses 12 through 19. It fails to fulfill the emphasis of uh, of evangelizing the lost. Unbelievers are going to come in. They're not going to hear the message. They're going to just think you're crazy. But open the Word of God and let the Spirit of God take the Word of God and do the work of God. And he said people will fall down on their faces and proclaim of a truth that God is in you. Tongues fail. Build up the body. Tongues fail to evangelize the lost. I want to jump to verse 33. Now, sometime in the next couple of weeks, we're going to finish this chapter out. I'm going to tell you, you want a passage that uh, can get some controversy sparked up? Read the rest of this chapter, man. Just plain read the rest of this chapter. But I'm going to jump to one verse, verse 33. Paul said this. For God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. You see, one of the problems with tongues is that it failed to fulfill the emphasis of building up the body. It failed to fulfill the emphasis of evangelizing the lost. But I want to give you one more tonight. As I look at verse 33, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all churches of the saints. I want to submit tonight that tongues fails to fulfill the emphasis given us to exalt the Savior. You see, the confusion and chaos that tongues had brought in this church was not authored by God. If it wasn't authored by God, it is a valid question to ask. Who authored it then? And I'm going to tell you, as we finish out this chapter in the next couple of weeks, I don't know if we'll do it next Sunday night or the Sunday that follows. You know, really, I think really one of the only questions you have to ask in regards to tongues is, are they done biblically? 
And if you look at the rest of this chapter, 1 Corinthians 14, you look at the emphasis that Paul says needs to be there in the first half of the chapter, and you see how Paul tells this church to do it in the back half of the chapter, I'm going to tell you, churches today who claim to be doing tongues are not doing it biblically. And that by itself precludes them or ought to stop them from doing it. But God is not the author of confusion. He's not the source of confusion. You know, I, I've got this silly theme that we're doing this year that church matters, amen? And kind of the subtext, I've added subtext to the subtext, like find help, find hope, find home. That's good, amen? But I'm going to add some subtext to the subtext that the body of Christ ought to be like Christ. Isn't that a crazy idea? That the body of Christ ought to be like Christ. That when the world looks at us, they ought to see Christ. That's why we're studying the life of Christ this year on Sunday mornings in the Gospel of Luke. The body of Christ ought to be like Christ. The body of Christ ought to reflect Christ. That's the role we've been given. To reflect Him. To be like Him. I'm going to tell you, exalting Jesus truly is an emphasis given to the church. That's why Paul admonished us several chapters early in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, that whether we eat or drink or whatsoever we do, we ought to do what? Do all to the glory of God. Do all to the glory of God. And since God is not the author of confusion, we, we shouldn't be surprised where at the end of the chapter, Paul says what in verse 40? Let all things be done decently and in order. By the way, that's our God. Look at creation. That's our God. Decently and in order. By the way, we've had thousands of years and we've messed it up pretty bad and it still operates decently and in order. I mean, some of you can't keep a car more than two years without destroying it. And yet God has managed to keep this planet functioning, this universe functioning, decently and in order for thousands of years. That's how our God does things, decently and in order. And if that's how our God does things, that ought to be how we do things. Because we ought to reflect Him. The world ought to be able to look at us and see Him. Our God is a God of order. Exalting Jesus is an emphasis that is given to the church that we would exalt our head. He is our head. Amen? By the way, I think this is an important note that a lot of people forget. That exalting Jesus isn't just the emphasis given to the church. Exalting Jesus is the emphasis that the Holy Spirit has as well. If you look at what Jesus said about the Holy Spirit in John 16, beginning in verse 13, Jesus said this, Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever... Ye, he shall, ye, he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Look at verse 14. He shall glorify me. And so what is the Holy Spirit doing? He is working in us to do what? Glorify Jesus. 
That's our emphasis. That's his emphasis. He lives in us. He equips us. He works in us. And all of us together, what are we doing? We are exalting the Savior. We are lifting high Jesus for all to see. And through the gifts that he gives us, we'll accomplish that purpose. Paul looked at this church and he said, the madness that is taking place here, this doesn't honor God. This isn't an accurate reflection of God. The body of Christ ought to be like Christ. We ought to represent Him well. We ought to reflect Him accurately. This is how we lift up Jesus and exalt His name. You know, in fact, if I can bring this message full circle, do you know what we're doing when we build up the body? When we edify the body, do you know what we're doing? We're really lifting up Jesus because He is the head of the body. You know what happens when we're evangelizing the lost? What are we doing? We're actually lifting up Jesus because He is the Savior of the world. I'm going to tell you, if we're doing something other than lifting up Jesus, we've lost the plot. Man, we've swung and missed. I'm going to tell you, if you're here singing these hymns and you're not lifting up Jesus from the heart, you've lost the plot. You're failing to fulfill what God has given us to do. If you're here tonight listening to the Word of God and you're not lifting up Jesus and how you're listening and responding to God's Word, I'm going to tell you, you're missing it. A lot of people looking for credit just because their backside's in a pew. But why are we in the pew? Because we want to lift up Jesus, amen? Amen. Boy, that's one of the things that's really missing from churches today. And I'm going to tell you, if we're doing anything other than lifting up Jesus with our lives, we have lost the plot because it is something other than what God intended. And Paul here issues such a warning to this church. They have to be careful because tongues, they had their place and tongues had their purpose. But even back then, they failed to accomplish the emphatic purposes given to the church. To build up the body, to evangelize the lost, and to exalt the Savior. I'm going to tell you, these are still the main emphases that God has given us. Amen? How do we do it? Well, the clear word of God, amen? Amen. Clear acts of love and compassion, clear lines of sacrifice and humility. I said it last week and I'll say it again this week. What this world and what this church need isn't something new and flashy. It isn't something sensational and emotional. What they need And what we need is Jesus. And church, when we come together, they ought to, they've got to be able to see Jesus in us. Father, we love you. Lord, we're reminded tonight, Lord, even through this instruction given to this church, God, the emphasis that you have placed on your local church. 
Lord, the things that you have privileged us to be able to do. How you've equipped us to build up one another. God, tonight, I know that there are some people here, some people listening, and they're trying to find their place. Lord, help them to see tonight that you have placed them in the body. You have equipped them for a purpose. And their purpose is to build up one another for the glory of our God. Lord, tonight I thank you for the reminder of the emphasis you have given us to reach the lost. And Lord, how we all have a responsibility to clearly communicate gospel truth. To sow gospel seed to the world around us. Father, in everything we do, Lord, there lies that emphasis that we must lift up Jesus, our living head. And God, nothing can take the place of that. Help us, I pray. Lord, to make sure that we're doing as we ought, to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us as He desires. Be with us as we have this time of invitation. Help us, I pray, to receive the invitation to respond to your word tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Heads bowed, eyes closed. Would you stand with me tonight? And as God has spoken to you with whatever he has spoken to you about, would you do business with him this evening? The altar's open. Would you come?